Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Well, good morning, everybody. Why don't we just put our hands together one last time for John and Jancis this morning. Their, their lives over the last four decades here have literally been a sermon, right? So, so there's not a huge amount that I could add, I feel, to what they've literally just shared last week and as we've just seen here, but I will do my best to bring something to you this morning. But seriously, though, well done. Well done for making it here this far. We're back together again, single services. Isn't it great to be able to look around the room and see people that we've not seen perhaps for so many months? Isn't it great this morning? But seriously, right, so just think about what you've accomplished to be here in your seat today. Aside from the last 18 months, just in the last seven days. Because if you're one of our 9.30 crowd previously, you managed to arrive here half an hour late, right? (laughs) Which is quite impressive. I mean, some of you are in the habit of doing that anyway, but you've arrived half an hour late on purpose, right? Which I think is more impressive. But did any of you that have maybe got families, because I realize it's a lot of families at our 9.30 service previously, did you do that really awkward thing where you're like really, really, really rushing to get out the door on time, and then everyone stood in the hallway waiting to go, and you're all a little bit hacked off now, if you're honest. And then you've suddenly realized, parent, that there's another 30 minutes to go. <laughs> you gone... Oh no, I'm going to have to drive really, really slowly across town because I can't tell my kids that I've rushed them and got them up early and moved them through breakfast to get to this moment here. And we could have all stayed in bed for another 30 minutes. So if that's you this morning, well done for making it here on time. Equally, if you're one of our 11.15 services, guys, seriously, you've, you've been at church for like an hour and 15 minutes before you normally would have been. You've not even had your second cup of coffee yet before you arrived. And if that is you, if you're one of our staunch 11.15ers, I can only apologize for the earlier time this morning. <laughs> but we are so glad that we're back together. Thank you for being here with us, whether you've made it to your second cup of coffee yet or not. Do grab a cup after the service. Stay for some cake with John and Jancis. Let's celebrate being back together and really send them well on their way. If you're with us for the first time this morning, you probably need to know that we're in the middle of a series. I say the middle of a series, we're actually coming to the end of a series. So in one sense, if you were going to pick any of the last four to make it your first time to church, this is the one. And I'm not just saying that because I'm preaching, right? I mean, maybe a little bit, but I'm not just saying that because I'm preaching, because Mark and Elena over the weeks two and three brought some incredible insights from Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, haven't they? They've been brilliant. Just the the depth of wisdom and knowledge, and not just that, but in terms of practical application for what this means for us in our context today, I think has been absolutely top draw. And so it's my privilege really this morning to just simply piggyback off what they've already set up. So all I'm going to do this morning is just pick on a big idea from each week, and then we're just going to land in chapter four. Does that sound good? Before we go any further, why don't I just pray? Why don't you close your eyes, put your hands somewhere near your heart if it just helps you to focus. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege that it is, the true privilege that it is, for us to be able to gather here this morning in your name, in your presence. We thank you that we have made it back together after so long. We simply dedicate the rest of our time to you this morning, and we ask that you would fill us by your spirit and guide us by your grace. In your name we pray. 
Amen. So, chapter 1, are you ready? So, in Philippians 1.27, we looked right the way back at the start of this series about Paul's reason for writing. You may remember what it is. He says this. He says, whatever happens, whether highs or lows for Paul, whether imprisoned or not imprisoned, whatever happens, live worthily as citizens of the good news about Jesus Christ. That's where we started. That's where Paul starts this letter with this, come on, guys. Whatever you face, whatever you have faced, whatever it is that you're going through today, whatever it is you will go through in the days, weeks, and months ahead, live in a manner that is worthy of the good news about Jesus Christ. You see, the good news we looked at both causes and requires a change. If you're scratching your heads and trying to struggle to remember, don't worry, we're going to go through this morning. But remember that the good news, this message that Paul carried to Philippi, it requires and causes change. We talked about the fact that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, everything now has changed. The world has literally, for Paul, been turned upside down. But it hasn't just caused a change as if we're passive observers on this scene. It requires a change. And so Paul writes right at the start of this letter, live worthily as citizens of the good news about Jesus Christ. He then goes on in chapter 2 as Elena spoke in week 2. He says this, in humility then value others above yourself having the same mindset as Christ Jesus who though he was in the very substance of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited for his own personal gain but instead but instead. You see, this phrase, but instead, perhaps could be the summary statement of all of Paul's ethics, practice, behavior, all of the things that he encourages us to do, whether it be in Philippians, in Romans, in Galatians, any number of his other letters. Whatever letter he's writing, this phrase, but instead, is perhaps the most important phrase for how we live out this message, right? Because although this, not this, but instead this, you could say it this way. Paul's ethics, our Christian behavior, the way that we live our life is as simple as A, B, C. Although A, not B, but instead C. When you see this pattern, and we see it so clearly here in Philippians chapter 2, that although God not something to be exploited for personal gain, but instead submitted himself even to death on a cross. We see it so clearly here in Philippians chapter 2 that once you've seen it here, I promise you, you'll see it elsewhere in Paul's letters. So as we go forward together, as we move forward, keep your Christian practice, your behavior as simple as A, B, C. Although A, not B, but instead, see. Because really, that's the model that Paul gives us. That's the model that he sets Jesus up as for us. Although all power, all status, all possible benefits, abilities, and privileges not exploited for personal gain, but instead surrendered to death on a cross. And if you take that pattern, if you take that model, that A, not A, but instead B, 
if you take this ABC formula and you move into Philippians chapter 3 where Mark was looking last week, we see Paul do exactly the same thing with his, his life, right? We look at this long list of characteristics that Paul had, these things that were counted to him as righteousness, according to the flesh, he says, faultless according to the law, blameless, righteous above all else. As far as zeal, persecutor of the church, Paul is listing his CV of status and privileges, but instead counts it as nothing for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. And this same ABC now applies to Paul's life in chapter 3. In fact, most of your English translations will say something along the lines that Paul counts it as worthless or as refuse, as rubbish, as garbage for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. But it's a little bit of a fudge by our translators because it's a bit awkward because the strength of Paul's language is so strong that I'm not going to say what he says in Philippians chapter 3. But instead, I want to leave you with a word picture, okay? with a story. Is that all right? Yeah. So I came down uh, stairs the other morning into my living room, which I do a lot, right? I have a living room. Um, and mo like most of you, I like to use my living room. It's a nice space. I don't believe in wasted space within a house. And so I came in and I walked into my living room and I'm rushing to get out. I'm trying to get ready. I'm running a few minutes behind. And we've got two dogs, right? And one of them, when he's nervous, likes to leave us presents. And I'm not talking presents of the Christmas variety, right? <laughs> or the birthday variety. He leaves us presents of the unpleasant variety. Shall we put it that way? And so in my haste to get out the door, I rush into my living room. Yeah. Fortunately, I'd already put my shoes on that morning. Because <laughs> socks or bare feet is not the way to go, right? And Paul says that in comparison to this list of privileges, in comparison to all of these things that he has gained, either by birth or by benefit, he counts it the same as the thing that you have to scrape off the bottom of your shoe in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. What an amazingly strong phrase. He's not like, all this stuff's good, right? But Jesus is better. He's like, no, in comparison to this stuff, for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus. And we miss that, don't we? Sorry to leave you with that image, but what an image. As, that's the strength of Paul's language here. And so we come to chapter 4. Where do we finish this series? Where do we land here today? Having looked at all of these things, of what it means to live in a manner that's worthy, of keeping our practice as simple as ABCs, of counting the things that we think are good, like the kind of thing we might choose to scrape off the bottom of our shoe. Where do we come? If you've been with us for the last few weeks, these are the words that we've finished our services with. We've sent you from this place with these words ringing in your ears. And I'm going to read them again for us this morning. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way.
in a way that's worthy of the good news, in a way that models the mind of Christ, in a way that elevates humility and values others beyond ourselves, in a way that considers privileges, whether by birth or by hard work, as loss for the sake of Christ, in a way that is as simple as A, B, C, in this way, Brothers and sisters, stand firm. That's where we've been. That's where we're going, right? That's where Paul lands. Considering all of these things, stand firm. In the face of the challenges of life, in the faces of difficulty, in the face of trials, in the face of a global pandemic and the uncertain road forward in the face of personal responsibility of masks, of not masks, of distancing or not, households, how do, I, do we have people round now? What do we do now in the face of all these things? Stand firm. But more than that, Paul goes on to say, he says, stand firm and rejoice in the Lord always. Again, rejoice. And let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Rejoice. Sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? We kind of think that in the face of difficulties, of trials, of overcoming, of difficulty, and of things that are just simply hard, in the face of elevating others as higher than ourselves, of preferring others, of forsaking privilege, of moving beyond these things for the sake of Christ in the face of all these things. We kind of expect the letter to finish with just stand firm. Right? Stick with it, guys. <laughs> and yet Paul doesn't allow us that. He says, no, not just stand firm, but while you stand, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. He goes on to say, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thankfulness, present your requests to God. And his peace, which is beyond understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice what Paul does here. It's ABCs again. Although difficulty, A. Not down in the dumps. Not preferring myself over others. Not any number of things we can instead. But instead, but instead rejoice. And do not be anxious. It's that same pattern of ABCs playing out right here in Philippians chapter 4. So we've got an ABC with Jesus in chapter 2. We've got an ABC with Paul in chapter 3. And he encourages us as a church that although difficulties, although challenge, although fear, rejoice. Do not be anxious, but instead pray with thanksgiving 
and lift your requests to God. So that, and this is Paul's promise, so that the peace of God, which is beyond understanding, is beyond each and every one of us. I cannot wrap my head around the peace of God on some days. It just doesn't make sense, right? (laughs) But it's beyond understanding. But it guards our hearts and it guards our minds in Christ Jesus. You see, when we understand what the good news is, when we understand what it means, how to apply it to our lives, when we understand that the world has been turned upside down, that death has in fact been defeated, when all that has gone wrong with the world is in the process of being made right, has been made right, and is being made right, when we understand this message that Paul calls us to live worthily of, it changes the way that we live. It changes the way that we conduct ourselves. And it allows us, in the most uncertain of times, to live at peace. It's kind of like quiet, but it's not the same thing. You see, the connotations of the word peace in the Bible isn't simply the absence of noise, right? It's not the absence of anything. It's, it's the presence of something else in the midst of. Right? It's a heaviness. It's a weightedness. You know, did you have a peaceful night's sleep? It was great. No car alarms were going off. No ambulances, no fights outside, no weddings at the Wortley. We live just opposite the Wortley. There was a wedding last night. <laughs> but peace in this sense, it's not the absence of noise. It's not the absence of busyness. It's, a, it's the presence of something else in the middle of it. Which I think is why this peace is a peace that's beyond understanding. It's because even in the presence of we can live with peace because we understand something, something different. And so Paul goes on and he says this. He says, so then, in light of this, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, in fact, if anything, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me that resembles Christ Jesus, put it into practice. And may the God of peace be with you. That's the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians. He goes on a little bit after that and says, you know, thanks for sending the gift and for looking after me. But he's really just wrapping it up. But that's... That's the end, that's the nutshell, right, of our series. Paul goes, in light of all of this, in light of all these things that I've written to you about, think about things that are praiseworthy, that are excellent. He doesn't say think about Christian things, right? 
It doesn't say, think about these things that I've taught you. Think about Jesus, think about, no, no. If anything is praiseworthy or excellent, think about these things. I don't know about you, but over the last year and a half, with the temperature of media rising, right, and over the absence of human connection elsewhere, it's been harder and harder, hasn't it, to think about praiseworthy and excellent things. Now, that's not to say that these things don't exist. Paul's not saying these things are irrelevant, so think about only these things, because think about where we've come from. Paul is in prison, right? Paul is suffering hardship. The church he's writing to is going through significant turmoil, significant trauma, you could say. People are falling out. There's not enough money to go around. People are going hungry. So Paul isn't ignoring all of these things. That's the context he's writing from and the context he's writing to. But he says, even in all of these things... Even in all of these things, think about that which is excellent, that which is praiseworthy, that which is noble, that which is virtuous, that is good. Think about these things. And so my encouragement to you, my prayer to us as a church, is that as we continue to go forwards from here, as we go into our summer and beyond, into the new academic year in September, that even in the midst of all of this, all of this uncertainty still about the way forward, I think a lot of us by this point hope to have a little more clarity about what the next six months will be looking like. Or is it just me? Anybody feel slightly less clear than they did a week ago? <laughs> Reassuring to know it's not just me. <laughs> even in the presence of all of these things, know this, the God of peace is with you. And it's a peace that's unlike any other. One of the things that Mark touched on last week is that Paul is writing to Philippi. Obviously, Mark's not unique in picking up on that. We've, we've kind of talked about it a fair bit. But one of the things that Mark picked up on specifically is that Philippi was a Roman colony, right? About 40% of its population were Roman citizens, give or take. About 60% Greeks. And these... Roman citizens were charged with carrying the culture, the DNA, the presence of Rome into their world. But Rome, being a citizen of Rome, came with a promise. If you live out there in the empire, if you live worthily of your citizenship, if you live in a way that's fitting of Rome, that if you represent us well to the barbarians and the Greeks and all that other stuff that we loved at primary school, if you live worthily in this manner, then Rome will guarantee your peace. It's called the Pax Romana, it's the Latin phrase, the peace of Rome. And so suddenly we come to Philippians chapter 4. A church made up approximately of 40 to 50 percent of Roman citizens who are well used to hearing this word and language of peace in their world. But it came from a different guarantee. And yet Paul writes, and the peace of God transcends all understanding. It doesn't come by military might, doesn't come through an army, 
comes through no governmental power, but instead came through a man who had all of that at his disposal and yet chose not to exploit for personal gain, but instead submitted himself in humility, preferring others above himself, even to death on a cross, on a Roman cross. And it's these, one of these bizarre, strange contradictions within the New Testament that at the one hand you have Rome that proclaims peace, a peace that is maintained largely through the crucifixion of rebels. <laughs> and yet Jesus, the true king, brings peace not through the cross, but on the cross. And it stands in stark contrast to the message of Rome, to the message of the government of the day. And I just wonder, I wonder how much that message speaks to our world today. We've all heard promises of security and peace and a way forward and what any given future looks like on any given day of the week. We've heard guarantees. And I don't mean to be political this morning. But the New Testament is occasionally somewhat political. And in the context of a government promising peace through these means stands the message of the cross and it's Jesus who brings peace even in these circumstances. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.